0: I'm Phil. And I'm Ollie. And it's, it's Del Toro, Del Toro time. time. It's Del Toro time. And we are back with the ecstasy of influence. Influence. And uh what are we? What are we? What are we talking about today? We're like allo- Frankenstein. Yes. Yes. We're allowed to say that because I'm gay. Yes. So it's the. uh <laughs> And I'm Mexican. So if we were doing a Mexican movie, I could say. I mean, we
1: were saying the movie was Mexican. gay in a bad way. <laughs> right. 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 We were saying. The- the movie is gay. As far as
0: you know, because you haven't seen it yet. No, I have. You've only heard of heard me talk about the fact that James Whale, the director, was known known to be gay, and I was going to say openly gay, but no one was openly gay in Hollywood back then. But you don't really know much. You could watch this and just be like, "Oh, I don't know what you're talking about." I'm sure I can figure out. I was going to say like decades about. of film criticism probably will probably support the, the the thesis, but uh we're watching The Bride of Frankenstein today, mm-hmm. and. As, as I've seen Bride of Frankenstein, this is not a new film for me. But uh, for you, what are your hopes, anticipations? What do you think you're going to see going into this?
1: Well, I know I'm going to see some hair.
0: Okay, what does that mean?
1: Because I've seen, like, costumes from of Frankenstein's Bride. Uh-huh. And they're all very voluminous hair. Yeah, yeah. And it's very cool. I'm yeah. very excited. It's an
0: iconic look. Uh-huh. Uh, what do you what do you think the movie is going to be like, like just coming off of the first Frankenstein movie? Where do you think they might go with this?
1: Maybe more lighthearted. Okay. And campy. I don't know. I don't know anything. <laughs>
0: uh, what about uh, What about What about the bride herself? What do you think she'll do in this movie?
1: Be very confident. I feel like she's gonna be very like very like able to take care of herself. Not like a lot of like women in television at that. Point like during those days.
0: So you're, so you're anticipating and hoping for a strong female character out of the bride. Mm -hmm. Cool. I don't have anything to add because I've already seen this movie. (laughs) Um, we'll talk a lot about it. We're going to talk, we're going to watch this. We're going to talk about, we're going to have quite a conversation coming up because this is the one where we're actually going to have to go into Mary Shelley as a writer and, uh, the book itself a little bit more because this movie in some ways is more faithful to the novel than the first movie was but in other ways it's not but we know what it's going to be it's going to be a movie and we're going to go watch it right now so we'll see you when we get back she's alive
1: alive all right let's talk about Frankenstein. Frankenstein.
0: (laughs) frankenstein energy up energy up
1: my body language won't be changing but i'll try and be more loud
0: Okay. So uh, we just watched Frankens- Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, let's talk about what we saw. Let's talk about these dogs. Let's talk about what the heck the beginning of this movie is. I don't know. So how did, do you remember how the first Frankenstein started? It had its own weird intro.
1: Oh, it started with the man.
0: Yeah. So it had a little like, welcome to this movie disclaimer, uh, where a guy came out on stage and was like, it was like,
1: well, you're about to
0: see a wonderful little film.
1: But if you... Die from a heart attack. Don't blame us. And
0: then he like floated away. And then he came back as a different character. This movie also has an intro that's like, we absolve ourselves of any responsibility. Also, someone in this intro is going to come back as a character. Tell us a little bit about this weird intro.
1: I like the intro. It's not weird.
0: It's unexpected if you think about the other movie that didn't... Eh. What happens in this little intro? (laughs) Well
1: um mary shelley's with her husband and some guy okay some jerk <laughs> some annoying man
0: and what do they talk about
1: they talk about mary shelley's like story yeah and they're like it's no wonder it didn't get published and she's like Shh. <laughs> and he's like well like the annoying man is like well i love it and I think it's scary. And she's like, well, that's not how the story ends. Yes. So let me tell you how it ends. So
0: we're in this weird world. Also, uh, the weird guy you hate is supposed to be Lord Byron and he rolls his eyes and he talks like this. And uh, there's like a a thunderstorm going on outside and he's like, no, the heavens and Jove will strike us down with this lightning. The whole thing is very like, it's very arch and very like, (laughs) will
1: And Percy Shelley just seems, like, done with the entire situation. Well, He's,
0: like, writing poetry the entire time.
1: And he's, like, why are we here? And Mary
0: Shelley is sitting on her, like, couch. Uh, like
1: She's, like, uh, what is it called when you, need, like, I did it once. You like, stitching in a circular thing.
0: She's, like, doing, like, needlework, like, yeah. cross-stitch or something. I don't know. I don't know anything about needlework.
1: That's she's, a... Lie. You
0: don't see her what she's doing, so she's doing needlework with a needle. Um. So the 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 characters in the opening are Mary Shelley, mm-hmm. Lord Byron, and Percy Bysshe Shelley. And the four dogs. And the four dogs that get taken out of the room at the very beginning by the maid. Uh. They're in some kind of like castle, on a hill. Mm-hmm. There's this really cool like push in. There's a miniature forest, and then you see this miniature castle on the hill. The camera pushes into in the beginning. Right off the bat, we know that we're in for like a a much grander film because there's miniatures and there's budget and costumes and and there's
1: French dogs, these
0: dogs. And uh, why? Well, uh, what do you know about Mary Shelley and Percy Shelley?
1: I know they're married and that Mary Shelley wrote a book called Frankenstein. (laughs) That's about it. I don't really.
0: These people, Mary Shelley and Lord Byron and Percy Shelley and everyone in their little circle are this is a story in and of itself. Like we it can't go too in depth, or else we'll spend, we could do a whole podcast series just about the lives of these people. They were delightfully bizarre. They were out there. They were despicable. They were horrible people in their own ways, uh, thoughtless and cruel, but like passionate and world changing. They had ideas that were way ahead of their times. And Mary Shelley came from a uh, her parents. Were uh, William Godwin and Mary Wollstonecraft, and William Godwin was like he wrote about anarchy and like he want he believed in dismantling the government and uh, that there was no such thing as an uncorrupt government and people uh, should rule themselves and be in charge of themselves. Like we, these were like especially at the time these were like like in the late 1700s these were thoughts that people just did not talk about in England. And uh, Mary Wollstonecraft was the basically the creator of modern feminism like her ideas weren't uh called feminism because the word didn't exist and they were a little they weren't as progressive as you would think feminism would be but she this was all in reaction to the french revolution and she wrote uh broadsides and uh, pamphlets uh, vindication of the rights of men which was her first big one which was like just a response to basically people saying we shouldn't do what the french did we should be ruled by a king we should all know our place we should go back to like the traditional British uh, way of living and she was like no tradition is doesn't mean anything like just because you've been doing something th- a certain way for years doesn't mean you need to keep doing that no m- we need to like men have certain rights and in this in in this pamphlet she sort of was just like oh also women should be educated by the way and should be higher up in the social standing than you think they should be and then she sort of springboarded off that and wrote vindication of the rights of woman uh, which was just about women in general, where she was like, we need to be learned. We need to have a better place in society. We are. W-. And that was like, <clears throat> like people did not think that, like write about that. And what's funny is it's one of the situations where originally her writings were published under anonymous and people were like, this, this dude has it going on. These are some right on thoughts. And then as soon as it came out, that it was a woman who wrote it. People were like women and their emotional thinking. Like it, it didn't help that right after she gave birth to Mary, uh, her daughter, who ended up writing Frankenstein, uh, she died like f- a few days later of sepsis. She never got to know her daughter. Uh, her husband, William, wrote this whole book about his wife, like a tribute to his wife, in which he exposed all their dirty family secrets. Like the fact that uh, two of the children in the family were born out of wedlock two different from different men, that Mary Wollstonecraft was a free spirit and kind of slept around a lot. And he was like, this is my wife. Wasn't she wonderful? And society said, no, we don't like that. And it took over 100 years for her to get her reputation back as a great writer. So he single-handedly ruined his, his dead wife's reputation. Uh, so Mary grew up with this like hanging over her head. But like having these like famous parents who were writers and world changers. And so she kind of knew from an early age that she had to kind of live up to their to their lives she read everything in her father's uh, library she was super educated super smart uh she she wanted to kind of change the world she had these revolutionary ideas in her head now percy shelley was a jerk and was but also like was a brilliant thinker he was kicked out of college and he was young for writing a pamphlet about how like everyone should be atheists and uh he uh Married a woman early on, woman Harriet Westbrook, because she was threatening to kill herself because her parents wouldn't let her have any ideas or read or be educated. And he was like, I'm going to marry this woman and save her. He marries her, has a child, gets instantly bored with her, finds Mary Shelley or Mary Wollstonecraft and runs away with her When when Mary Wollstonecraft is only 16 years old. He's like 25 and he's like, come with me. Like, we're going to get out of here. She's like, what about your wife? And he's like, ah, forget her. So they run off together. (laughs) and A
1: true love story.
0: Oh, it's a love story for the ages. They run off, off, though, with uh, Mary's half-sister, Claire Claremont, which is an amazing name. Mm -hmm. Claire Clare, uh, who is in love with Lord Byron, who she's met. And she's obsessed with Lord Byron. And Lord Byron is like, I don't really like this woman, but I'll sleep with her. So they're all kind of hanging out together. Lord Byron gets Claire Claremont pregnant. Their little story goes off the rails. Lord Byron wants nothing to do with his daughter. He wants nothing to do with Claire Claremont. But he also doesn't want Claire Claremont to be happy. So he sends their daughter to a convent where she dies at a young age because she gets sick. And Claire Claremont is beside herself because also she was never allowed to see her daughter. Because Lord Byron was like, "Mm, no, stay away from her. I don't want you to be happy so why (laughs) because lord byron was a jerk also a great writer but lord byron and percy shelley become really good friends and uh they all hang out together mary shelley uh is trying to have a baby but she keeps uh but she keeps having miscarriages also harriet westbrook uh, percy shelley's wife uh dies she suicides because she's pregnant with another man's baby, and she kills herself, drowns herself. Percy Shelley's like, hey, my wife just killed herself. Let's get married. So he marries Mary, and she becomes Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. Doesn't take her father's name, because her, fa- her Godwin, because her father kind of rejected her because he kind of blamed her for killing her mother because he never really got over his wife's death. So Mary Shelley didn't really know... It. Her father was kind to her, but didn't really raise her himself. But he was distant. He was very distant. So Mary Shelley always felt rejected by her father, if that seems thematically appropriate. (laughs) Also, uh, her father's name was William, and the monster in the book Frankenstein kills Victor Frankenstein's son, who was named William. That's just a thing. Maybe a coincidence. We'll never know. Fathers, children, death, rejection. Mary Shelley had a heck of a life okay people were they were just off everyone was just awful to each other um percy shelley ends up dying in a boat accident uh the end the end like very young and it was a tragedy and mary shelley spent the rest of her life trying to get a lot of percy shelley's writings published and uh his father was like no i don't want anyone to touch my son's writings and it just took it was a like like i said this is a drama so the characters we see at the beginning, of, sorry to like take up all this time, but the, the bet, the the challenge was that at one point, it was Lord Byron, uh, his doctor, John Polidori, uh, Claire Claremont, Percy uh, Shelley, and Mary Shelley were all hanging out together at this house in Italy, I think. And what was the challenge?
1: To write a horror story.
0: Write a horror story, because they'd been sharing ghost stories that night, one night. And uh, they're like, hey... We can do this. We're all smart. We're all writers, except for John Polidori, who was a doctor.
1: Well, he's smart.
0: <laughs> he was smart. He was he was Lord Byron's doctor. You got to be smart. Um, you
1: got to be a decent person <laughs> to put up with that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they did have a falling out later on. Good. But, uh, oh, yeah, and Lord Byron, well... Uh,
1: let's just let's just keep talking about Lord Byron. Just <laughs> Lord to- Byron,
0: kind of a jerk. Lord Byron didn't write a story; he wrote a beginning of a story. John Polidori was like, "That's a good beginning of a story. Can I expand on that?" And he did, and he became the novel, The Vampire, which was the first made published vampire novel in history. Created people's obsession with vampires. John Polidori, doctor, created what we know of as vampires. Amazing. Created Lord Ruthven. Also, the novel was credited to Lord Byron. <laughs> and john polidori fought a long time to get acknowledged as the author of the vampire and he died destitute um did he
1: is he finally acknowledged as the author of the vampire well
0: obviously we know now like we're like oh yeah john polidori wrote that uh claire claremont didn't write anything claire claremont if i believe remember correctly oh yeah she died sad because her daughter died
1: and was living an awful life
0: yeah had an awful life lord byron just rejected her out of hand uh percy shelley wrote a fragment of a horror story that didn't really go anywhere it was published later on but uh i think it was a ghost story um didn't really go anywhere that's fine percy shelley wrote a a million works that he is known for now he's considered one of the greatest romantic poets of his of his era and mary shelley wrote a story as well and what was that story
1: I don't know. What was it? It
0: was called (laughs) The Frankenstein. (laughs) It was called Frankenstein or The Modern Prometheus, uh, which she had published and catapulted her to fame. And the first edition of that book made more money than all of Percy Shelley's writings combined ever. Um, And then she went on to expand it and rewrite it. He collaborated with her on it like she acknowledges that like a lot of what you read in Frankenstein was had had, had Percy Shelley's hand in it but she wrote the novel mm-hmm. um the first edition and the second edition are very different books uh they, she changes the focus she expands on it she adds a few things adds a lot of things um I
1: wish that was still acceptable to do What to like publish a first edition and then say I'm going to rewrite this a little bit because I don't really like where that went so I'm going to publish a second edition that's different from the first one I think you'll
0: find that that actually does happen it's just that the first editions are usually small press um or self-published and then once it kind of gets popular people will be like oh okay well now that i have a real editor and i can figure out what worked and what didn't uh that does happen a lot of like in a lot of uh, i think in a lot of like uh, genre fiction stuff that gets published online like it happens in different ways now uh or star wars george lucas went back and redid all the original trilogy
1: no he didn't what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) so it
0: does happen um i think it happens in film though i think you'll see like director's cuts um Mm -hmm. revisiting
1: i mean we've watched a lot of movies like that yeah so this podcast series so it does
0: happen we just have we just have it just tends to happen in in a different format these days
1: yeah but i wish like you would have like one book that was really good but like the authors, like I'm not quite satisfied with how this went, so they kind of write it from a different perspective, and mm. you can compare and contrast. But now we don't have that. Yeah, we don't have that anymore, which is lame. <laughs> it's lame.
0: I think it has to do with like the way like the way books are published, and a lot of like a lot of writers just they they want to move on. They're like, this is my first thing, and now I'm gonna. And Mary Shelley wrote a bunch of other books. She wrote a lot of novels. She wrote uh, a book called What Was It? Like Last Man on Earth, a, a, a post-apocalyptic novel that kind of didn't make a splash at the time but that in recent years in recent decades people have gone back to mary shelley's writings and they're like you know we just knew her as the frankenstein woman but she wrote a lot of really good stuff and she was a revolutionary thinker like all through her life
1: i think she would like a lot of books now
0: yeah uh she was she was ahead of her time and maybe
1: she was a time traveler
0: maybe uh she's played by elsa lancaster in this movie uh who is a very striking looking person she's very pretty very pretty uh has this has these front teeth these like prominent two front teeth with like a gap between them like which Hermione is reminded granger which is awesome i'm a big fan of 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 tooth gaps we know yes <laughs> <laughs> um and so the intro of this movie kind of sets up that mary shelley has this like wild imagination but she's also a delicate woman you see she like, pricks her finger and it she's like oh i pricked my finger on on the needle and like they all all the men rush over and like oh ho. ho, ho, ho. But uh like you said like she's like it's weird because she's telling she hasn't gotten Frankenstein published in this intro but she's told them the story I guess but it's the story of the first movie not the novel Frankenstein
1: Well they had to tie it in somehow <laughs>
0: and it's I guess it's a way they kind of uh it's the way they re- do a little recap yeah yeah she's like oh in those great the, the it opens with with a with a with a funeral and the grave diggers and I'm like that doesn't happen in the novel this isn't Mary Shelley's novel at all but this is our little recap
1: in the scene where she pricks her finger she like looks at the camera slightly like and she seems like she's like not actually like this faint at heart woman
0: (laughs) yeah yeah there's a lot of looking at the camera in this movie you get a few like quick glances at the screen which i think is the most like delightful like wink at the like there's so many winks at the audience in this movie um if not blatant then pretty subtle but not even that subtle because there's some broad characters in this film um this is the first four minutes of the movie we've gotten through well i mean
1: i could explain the plot really quick if you want me to
0: well why don't you explain the plot really quick if you want to
1: basically frankenstein dr frankenstein and mary are well it starts right after the first Movie ends like right after. Right well, after,
0: like it starts before the first movie ends because we got a weird epilogue in the first movie that's completely
1: right. That's true.
0: Done away with in this movie.
1: Erase the epilogue. Yeah. It starts. They're at the windmill. uh Frankenstein's being carried away because they think he's dead. Um, they're like, the monster's dead, yay! Father of the little girl who got drowned is like, I want to see his body. Looks in, gets pulled in by the monster. His wife's like, Oh, what are you doing? She gets pulled in by the monster. He gets out.
0: The Cup, monster gets out.
1: The monster gets out. Cut back. Uh, Mary is, or Elizabeth's like freaking out like, what have you done to my husband? <laughs> <laughs> Find out he's alive. Um, Monster's kind of wandering around. Uh, So all that happens. Frankenstein's sick. This doctor guy comes in and is like, you must continue your experiments with me. Dr.
0: Pretorius. Yes. Who we've never heard of before. No.
1: And Frankenstein's like, no. (laughs) And then there's the jar with the little people in it.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Okay.
1: (laughs) The what? (laughs) The little people. Wait, it sounded
0: to me like you just said there's some jars with little people in them. (laughs)
1: That's what I said.
0: Wait, wait, wait. I thought we were watching Frankenstein. (laughs) Jars is is a little. (laughs) Go back.
1: (laughs) Well, the doctor has been trying to replicate the same experiment that Frankenstein has been doing. But he's gone a different route with it. And he's been growing creatures instead of raising them from the dead. And all he's managed to do so far is create a bunch of like fairy-sized people.
0: How many people? Four. Only four?
1: It's, that's all we see. Who
0: are these people?
1: The king, the queen, the duke, and... Oh, the five. There's five.
0: Okay, there's the, there's the king.
1: The king, the queen, the duke, the ballet dancer, and the normal guy.
0: There's a king, a queen the bishop
1: the bishop right the devil what
0: remember the little guy on the, on the chair with the mustache he's like he looks just like me i think
1: oh that's uh, what i said the normal guy was. Oh, oh
0: he's the devil oh he's like this one grew up to be a devil there's a mermaid
1: right and a ballet, a ballet dancer.
0: dancer so six there's six, six in all six okay now when you say a king and a queen and a bishop and a devil and a mermaid and a ballet dancer does this like this must be like metaphorical like not speci- they don't no. they're not dressed like kings and queens no they are But that would be weird. That would be like a weird thing to introduce into a movie about Frankenstein. Like, you would think that that would be like, there would be probably an entire movie about this.
1: I wish there was. (laughs) Like, these little
0: people, they probably come back throughout this entire movie, right? Like, they're probably a big part of this story. Nope. Like, you probably see them again later on. No. (laughs) Because you wouldn't just introduce six jars with little tiny people in them who are obviously living creatures and not bring them back, right?
1: Yep. Well,
0: it's probably just pictures of them, right? Like no. they don't actually get out of the jars or anything. No, they do. Wait, who gets out of a jar? The king. This isn't really a king though, right? Like he's not really dressed like a king, is he? He, he is. Why would he get out of the jar?
1: Cuz he's obsessed with the queen who wants nothing to do with him.
0: Wait, 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 when you say obsessed, you mean he's probably just like staring at her, right? No. Wait, what is he doing? He's
1: like blowing kisses at her.
0: Wait, wait, wait. So this guy wants to hook up with the queen? Yes. Wait, what's this ballet dancer doing?
1: She's dancing to one specific song.
0: Wait, it sounds like there's a lot of interesting characters here. (laughs) Yep. There's a king who wants to get it on with the queen who wants nothing to do with him. What is the bishop doing?
1: He is yelling at the king for trying to get with the queen.
0: Wait, he cares about this? Yes. Oh, that must be why they made him a bishop. Wait a minute. (laughs) He's also
1: blowing a whistle.
0: Then why is he blowing a whistle?
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> wait, what is... You said, Wait, is it really a mermaid? Yes. What is she doing?
1: She is fanning her hair.
0: In a jar? Yes. What? How can she breathe in a jar? Water. Oh, the jar is full of water, you say? Yes. So she's literally a mermaid with a tail. Yep. How did he make a mermaid? He grew her. <laughs> but he had to have done something different. Nope. <laughs> I think he said he did experiments oh, with Oh,
1: experiments with seaweed.
0: That makes sense. That's how you would make a mermaid, <laughs> is you would combine human DNA with seaweed. <laughs> Wait, it sounds like there's a lot going on in this scene.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, he created literal Satan.
0: He created a devil. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so in the middle of everything, there's a scene with six homunculi living creatures in jars. And then we never see them again.
1: I want to see them again.
0: We want to see these creatures <laughs> again. So, Doctor Pretorius, who may be a bad guy, we don't know. He's just
1: a mis No, he's a terrible. He's person. only I he's only him.
0: ever filmed like from below with harsh lighting, and he has his crazy hair.
1: I want to write a story about the six people in jars. Now. I wonder
0: if there have been that'd be something to investigate. Has there been like fan fiction about? The the stop
1: stop the stop six. right there. I don't
0: mean like slash fiction. I mean like just like have people like written stories about these creatures. What happened to them? We never find out. They're just abandoned. They're in Doctor Pretorius's suitcase.
1: His baby casket.
0: He has this little yeah. He has a box. <laughs> it looks like a baby coffin, but it's full of little tiny people. God, I want to know more about these people. <laughs> Regardless, he shows these people off to Doctor Frankenstein, and what happens?
1: Frankenstein's like, I'll help, and then he's like, No, I won't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, uh. The monsters terrorizing people, but not on purpose. And he meets this nice blind man.
0: So wait. So we should point out that Dr. Frankenstein is once again played by Colin Clive. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this, is, this is also uh, the first movie came out in 31. This is 1935. And a lot's happened between now and then. One of the things that has happened is Colin Clive, as an actor, as a human being, is on his way towards death. By the way, Colin Clive ain't doing well. As a human being, as a person, he is uh, uh, horribly addicted to alcohol. He's uh, has a life of pain, uh, a life of depression, and he is on a downward spiral. And it kind of is perfect in this movie because he doesn't have a whole lot of acting to do. <laughs> he's not doing well on set, and it kind of shows in his face.
1: But he's also not doing well his character's not doing well his character's all. not
0: doing well either so it kind of is okay from a movie perspective uh he's sweaty a lot and he seems to be having troubles uh i
1: like to think that he was actually asleep on set
0: <laughs> in that one moment where he has to be woken up i almost said something at that point uh where it's like i think he may have really fallen asleep um elizabeth frankenstein is now played by valerie hobson uh uh, the The actress who played her originally uh, was in a car accident and had other things going on in her life at this point, and just wasn't available. Uh, the Burgermaster is back, but he's played by a different actor. A lot has happened between now and then. Mm-hmm. Like people are not everyone was available to make this movie, um, and we don't see Baron Frankenstein at all.
1: Maybe he, he was just done with his son's life.
0: <laughs> I guess he's mentioned. Well, he's mentioned in the beginning to like take his body to the Baron and tell him his son is dead, but then we never see the Baron. So, uh, but we're really focused on Doctor Frankenstein. Elizabeth Frankenstein, uh, Doctor Pretorius, his little friends come into play. The monster, and then so you were saying that uh, the monster's been roaming around. He's already killed some people at this mm-hmm. point. He's killed. So we, you said he killed Maria's father and Maria's mother. Uh, tell us before we go any further. Though, tell us about Minnie.
1: Minnie is the best character.
0: Who is Minnie?
1: She's one of the. I think she's a maid for Frankenstein. Yeah,
0: like, like maybe the house, like the main housekeeper. Yeah. Like, or like. She also seems to be, like, helping out, like, in the house. Like, uh, like she helps, like, Elizabeth get dressed. She's, like, the head of the house. Like, yeah. the head of house. Uh, but tell us about What is she like? Who is this? She is the comic
1: relief. Yeah. She's hilarious. She's constantly, like, screaming and running around and, like, being just, like, quirky and weird. And yeah. it's amazing.
0: She's played by Una O'Connor, um, who was a, surprisingly enough, a character actor who played a lot of wives and housekeepers and servants um she was a stage actor and a, a comedian and just a delightful presence on the screen uh she died in 1959 at the age of 78 she was born in 1880 like she had been a she'd been in the in the uh in the world of the theater for a while at this point uh she was established uh i did find i did think it was funny that uh in 1913 she was on stage in London in a play called Starlight Express which is not the Andrew Ledweber musical Starlight Express about people on roller skates pretending to be trains, but it did cause me to do a double glance at her Wikipedia page. I was like, she was in Starlight Express? Wait, no, 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 different, different. Uh, she was in Alfred Hitchcock movies. Uh, she was in uh, The Invisible Man. She had just quite a quite a career at this point. Um, she also mention that uh, at this point, uh, James Whale, the director, had directed The Invisible Man, um, which, which Una O'Connor was in. And so at this, by this point, Universal is kind of like we're making monster movies like this is the thing uh, The Bride of Frankenstein the one of the reasons they didn't think they were going to make another Frankenstein movie at this point but uh, Frankenstein itself had been brought back to theaters and along with Dracula and people were just nuts about it They were like oh like people like actually like these movies like this is popular like this wasn't a flash-in-the-pan thing And people wanted more of this monster uh, So they they'd actually been working on a, a, a sequel for a while Um, And then James Whale was like, I'm I'm done with this. I I don't want to make any more Frankenstein. I've told the story. It's done. But then they were like, we'll give you a little creative freedom. And he was like, all right, but you got to kind of let me make my own movie. And uh, boy, boy, oh, boy, did they let James Whale make his own movie. Um, He was kind of given complete creative control of this. He just had to stay within uh, the rules of the new new film rules that had been established at this point. Uh, but I think he, I think he managed to push, push against the boundaries of this, uh, and also create something that was very colorful and uh, very original. Originally, though, uh, the idea was that uh, Elizabeth Frankenstein was going to die in this movie, and she was going to become the bride, uh, which I think they thought may have been a little too creepy and gross, uh, considering how poorly women are treated in this movie in the first place probably best that elizabeth frankenstein is given a little more autonomy although that is something that we will see repeated as a theme uh many many decades later in ken branagh's mary shelley's frankenstein is the wife of of henry frankenstein or victor frankenstein becoming the bride of the creature um just a a hint of things to come spoiler uh, alert. also helena bottom carter uh in any
1: case my wife <laughs>
0: if anyone's gonna play the bride of frankenstein in the modern era it should have been helen bottom carter um but we'll be looking at that way 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 down the line um so yeah just a little backstory uh so uh the monster's running loose he is did he kill any okay so has he killed any when did this when does the shepherdess come into play yes he runs into the shepherdess who sees him mm-hmm. and falls
1: i would fall too if i saw him yeah he's not a pretty sight
0: he is not he looks worse than before
1: also, his hair's different.
0: Well, yeah, because he's supposed to have gotten burned. Is the thing he mm-hmm. was in the fire, so they they did his makeup differently, so he looks a little more banged up and a little balder. No, uh, his
1: hair's white now. Like, there's a white spot on his hair. Oh, I think it's
0: also supposed to be singed, like singed off a little bit more. He I
1: wasn't... thought I thought it was like a new thing, because like the Bride of Frankenstein's hair is black and white.
0: Mm. I don't know. I have to look into that. I know that they redid the makeup for this. Mm-hmm. Um, it also had to be a little more waterproof. Um, But so he sees the shepherdess on like a cliff and like there's like real lambs, like real little lambs.
1: Well, there's some goats, too.
0: Mm hmm. Lambs and goats.
1: Some some lambs and kids. That's what they are. (laughs) I
0: know. It's funny. if She had children running around, too. She sees him. She falls off a cliff into the lake. Yeah. And he tries to save her. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then he tries to kill her.
0: And then he tries to go. Well, yeah. So she sees him. She wakes up. She starts screaming. And then he puts his hand over her mouth. In a chilling moment, like it's it's very assaulty and like a man putting his hand over a screaming woman's mouth is just bone chilling. Fortunately, he does not kill her because he's come upon by a couple of guys with guns who shoot him. This is when they shoot him in the arm and uh, he runs. And uh, well, where does he end up?
1: He ends up in a blind man's hut. Mm -hmm. The only man who's ever been nice to him. So tell
0: us about this blind man
1: he's blind and he plays the violin very yeah. beautifully. I might add, and he is not put off by his friend's inability to talk. In fact, he starts teaching him how to talk and he's just very kind.
0: Tell us about the scene that almost made us cry.
1: Um, when two hunters get lost in the woods, the two men who shoot him originally, get lost in the woods and come to the,
0: Oh, I meant before that, uh, where he's praying.
1: Oh yeah. Cause he's talking about how loneliness is awful and he's glad God, brought him a friend yeah he's
0: like i've been praying for a companion and he brought, he, he tends to frankenstein's wounds he lays him down his. he gives him his bed he covers him up he gives him something to eat and the monster has never been treated kindly before or, no one's ever touched him before like held his hand and so even though we know that the monster has done horrible things uh he is not without guilt at this point like mm-hmm. now he is lashing out and intentionally killing people um It's also that something that we saw in Mama, uh, we talked a little bit about the whole feral child thing, where if a child has been raised without kindness or human contact, uh, they will grow up antisocial and not knowing how to relate to people. And we sort of see that, the full feral child thing with the monster. And the blind man is like trying to socialize him, like teach him to speak, teach him what things are, the names for things. And they actually have a little conversation. Mm -hmm. What does he teach him about?
1: He teaches him about good and bad, Uh about bread, about wine, music, friends, smoking.
0: (laughs) He teaches him how to smoke. And as terrible as we know smoking is. I
1: mean, is it really that bad for Frankenstein, though? he's dead he's
0: yeah he's a dead body walking around he learns how to smoke he learns to appreciate wine and music and bread he knows that friends are good he even learns a little bit that fire can be good he teaches him to appreciate things yeah that's like a, a an interesting concept that there are things in the world to appreciate there's mm-hmm. beauty in the world um, the music especially and it's this nice domestic scene like it's a nice scene, and the acting is really good. Mm-hmm. The, guy plays, uh, the guy who plays the hermit is, uh, what is his name, is O.P. Hedgie, or Heggy. O.P., he's the O.P. Uh, are you down with O.P. Hedgie? I hope you are, because he was a handsome man. Um, he also died young. but uh, <laughs>
1: Did they all die young? I think that's... People
0: tended to die young. He died of pneumonia. He's buried in Massachusetts. But yeah, he was born, he was born uh, to a local sheep farmer in Australia. Good to know. I think that's great. I just think these people, these, these actors came from all over to come to Hollywood and make these movies with Universal. Like, it's just crazy. But yeah, he's really good in it. Like, he plays a blind man uh, living on his own. Uh, unfortunately, their tranquility does not last. Because like you were saying the two hunters show up.
1: And, are, and ask for directions. They see the monster. They try and kill the monster. The blind man's like, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. They're like, this is the monster that's killed so many people. And I was not happy so i close my eyes
0: yeah uh the monster lashes out knocks over uh the table the table sets fire to the hut they chase the monster out the blind man gets led away like he is okay he, but his hut is burned i feel bad and for his him. his
1: violin's gone
0: his violin is gone his hut is gone everything he had is gone his friend is gone <laughs> the monster runs away and then a mob of course forms to go mm-hmm. catch him catch him and they do they do catch him um, the burgomaster is back. He leads the mob, and they—they they, what do they do? They tie him up. They—they they, first they're just like attacking him. They—they they mob him.
1: Then they tie him up. Then they bring him to jail. So
0: and yeah. he escapes from jail. They tie him to a pole with his hands above his head in a very like Christ-like image. Um, they put him in a, a cart and they haul him to jail. And they chain him up like they, like super chain him up. And this is our first like. Real indication that this monster, this creature, this creation, this being, this man is more than human. Like something's happened now because what does he do?
1: He rips the chains out of the ground.
0: Yeah, and breaks the chain like barehanded. And he also, you see him start smashing through doors and he's loose. And what happens?
1: He kills a bunch of people. He doesn't. He
0: who does he kill? Everyone. <laughs> Uh, he kills kids. He kills guards.
1: He kills another little girl. Like, I'm sorry. I don't feel any sympathy towards the monster. So
0: this is like a totally weird scene. A woman is like, where's our daughter? A woman has like 100 children. Is like, where's Lucy or Frida? Frida. Is it Frida? I think so. It is Frida. And they're like, she's still at school. So she goes running to the school. And they're. Like, she's like, where's Frida? And they're like, well, she just left. And then they all like look over into the bushes and then they just all scream. Um now, I posited the notion that maybe no. Frida wasn't dead. Maybe she, w- she was dead. just doing something bad in the bushes. No.
1: We know we know what happened.
0: Maybe she was smoking.
1: No, we know what happened.
0: <laughs> We're dealing drugs.
1: We know what happened.
0: <laughs> the Frankenstein monster killed Frida. We don't see it's weird though. She's in a weird place. Like
1: because they wouldn't let him get away with that much, like
0: yeah Islands, like. yeah especially against kids again that that was by this point that scene it was gone the scene where he killed maria in the first one that would have been totally chopped to pieces um at this point people were not seeing that scene anymore it was dunzo um it was out out of there wouldn't be restored until the 80s um but yeah so the, the monster is just he, he's just he's all over the place and he gets chased into a cemetery and he goes down into a crypt.
1: He meets the doctor guy. So
0: like so tell us tell us about the return of Pretorius.
1: He's get digging up a skeleton to grow skin onto. Yep. <laughs> Can you tell
0: me a little more about the scene though? Like who's with him? Like what happens? Two it's criminals. a great scene. It's a creepy great scene.
1: Two criminals are with him. And they dig up the woman's skeleton and he starts eating lunch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um so we have uh, this is our first sense that uh we know that Pretorius is a bad guy, like just the way he's been lighted, the way he talks, his creepiness is
1: like a bad guy, though. Like he's a pretty terrible. Per- like, I guess he is like a bad guy, but he's not like the antagonist of the movie. He doesn't murder a bunch of people. Not yet. We don't know if he murdered. He murdered one person. Well, he didn't. He didn't even murder one
0: person. This is our first indication that he isn't just sitting in a lab growing people. Mm hmm. 'Cause he's grave robbing. Now, obviously, Dr. Frankenstein was seen grave robbing in the first movie, so you know, moral relativism. He was
1: seeing he was seen grave robbing grave robbing someone who had just been buried. Yeah. This guy was grave robbing someone who had been buried a long time ago.
0: Yeah, he's looking for bones. And now you were the first person to be like, Oh
1: He's gonna grow skin on them.
0: Yeah. Like, like
1: I mean, he's grown little people, so
0: Yeah. So we have this interesting like This interesting dichotomy of Dr. Frankenstein was sort of like this old school um, gothic horror character. where He's like reanimating the dead. It's like uh, just like this is like this is old necromancy, Mm -hmm. like very like classic.
1: And he has the audacity to say Dr. Petroleum. I don't know his name. (laughs) Dr. Oil uh, is using black magic.
0: But Dr. Pretorius is actually like. Kind of, he's like, no, no, no. Like, he's using, like, scientific advances.
1: Like, he's growing things.
0: Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm looking to the future. Like, we are, let's move out of this, like, gothic past.
1: And, like, you're like, oh, that's bizarro. That's weird. We just cloned a sheep. Like, (laughs) that's not that weird.
0: It's funny you say that because the language of creating Frankenstein's monsters was used a lot when sheep cloning first became a thing, when Dolly the Sheep. People were like what are we doing and it was also invoked when george uh, w bush tried to put the tried to put the ban on like stem cell research and cloning because they were that's also like the language of frankenstein came out so you're right on the money like the notion of creating life in any facet has is this story has sort of colored all of our ideas about what it means to create life Pretorius even though he's he's positioned as the evil one which is weird because like oh i guess like we uh, in in a minute we'll learn that he's doing a little his his schemes are a little more nefarious than dr frankenstein's but they're still both creating monsters who don't want to be there and now that the monster has learned how to speak we get a little more insight into his character because he doesn't
1: want to be alive
0: yeah he specifically says that he says "Uh, i love dead hate living but um like that's it like he is a far more complex character than we ever give him credit for being yeah he's a bit of a villain now but we also like learn that like you tend to not have villains and monsters who just want to be dead yep like i they tend to not be that complex they tend to want to like kill but not
1: well i don't think he wants to kill I don't think he wants to murder people.
0: So then, why is he doing it? I'm not, all- I'm, not, I'm not challenging you on this. I'm like, I'm wondering what it's, your thoughts are. It's on this.
1: the only thing he knows how to do. That's
0: interesting. Like, why?
1: Like, I don't feel any sympathy for him. Right. I think what he's doing is awful. But it's the only thing he knows how to do. He's only ever seen violence. Yes.
0: Like that's what's so fascinating about this monster. Later on in the series, he just becomes a mindless killer. Like. They take away all this intelligence and agency from him. He just becomes a moaning henchman to other characters. Uh, we see like the degradation of the of the Frankenstein's monster. But right now, he is a feral beast. He is, but with intelligence, uh, and he's like a fairy. I find that fascinating. Yeah, and I find that Del Toro's fascination with him fascinating because he is now an otherworldly creature. As opposed to just...
1: A dead man walking.
0: Yes, he's not a zombie. Uh, He's playing by his own rules.
1: He has rules. Yeah. He has motivations, like, but uh, he's still a terrible creature.
0: And it's weird to see him sitting there with Dr. Pretorius smoking and eating and, like, talking about, like, his plans. And
1: he kidnaps Elizabeth.
0: Well, let's talk about Dr. Pretorius' plans. Like, what's the bargain that Pretorius strikes with him?
1: To make Frankenstein a friend.
0: A friend, but not just a buddy, a wife. Yeah, Frank. Well, that
1: wasn't like he didn't say that. Frankenstein said that.
0: Yeah, the monster says a wife,
1: and that's creepy and gross, and it's I hate creepy it.
0: Creepy and gross. This movie has a bad attitude towards women. Mm-hmm. It's pretty misogynistic in its approach and its treatment of women. Elizabeth come gets across gets gets away somehow. She's, yeah, she's somehow she's not treated well. No um but so okay so pretorius and the monster sort of strike a bargain and pretorius is like i will get dr frankenstein to work with me to create you a woman but you have to do you have to be the strong arm to it so he shows up at frankenstein's house pretorius does and is like i want you to create a woman with me
1: and frankenstein's like "Ah, no no
0: (laughs) under no circumstances my friend (laughs) but what's his what's uh pretorius's ace in the hole
1: He's kidnapped Elizabeth.
0: Yeah. Well, he hasn't kidnapped Elizabeth.
1: He's kidnapped Elizabeth.
0: The monster has stolen her again, has broken into her bedroom, even though we were like, dude, stop living in a bedroom. And
1: Minnie's like, I don't really want to leave you alone. Like, this seems like a bad idea. Every
0: time you get left alone in this room, the monster comes in through the window right over there on the first floor, (laughs) sneaking around the garden.
1: I would just, at that point, just build a tower Mm -hmm. and become Rapunzel or become Lettuce. (laughs)
0: move into a different room like hey yeah. there's a room over there that's not facing the garden with its giant unlocked picture windows he does he steals elizabeth and takes her into a cave and locks her up and this is where we start learning that dr pretorius we know he's not working alone mm. but we get to meet carl and ludwig ludwig his wonderful assistants
1: ludwig isn't that bad
0: yeah love what does ludwig say
1: he's like if we have to do this again, I'd rather turn myself in and be hung in the gallows.
0: Right. These are criminals who are, who are, obviously they've done something that would get them hung um, because Dr. Pretorius is like,
1: I'm sure they're murderers because, you know,
0: they don't seem to have any problem with it. Yeah. Um. So Dr. Frankenstein is in Dr. Well, they're back at the first lab from the mm-hmm. movie. Um, and Dr. Pretorius, they're, they're, Pretorius has grown a brain, mm-hmm. which we learn about, uh, which I think is kind of cool.
1: Why he couldn't grow a heart. We don't really know
0: yeah different cells I guess um they had to
1: different cells I don't think so, but
0: Dr. Frankenstein is working on getting a heart to beat by itself, mm-hmm. and it's not working.
1: I wonder why, and
0: so we've got this I think this is one of my favorite scenes of all time. Pretorius is like he he calls to Carl, who is the best henchman because he's got these eyebrows in his face, and he's small, um just like Fritz was in the first movie, but he's like, I need you to go to the uh <laughs> to the accident hospital and get me a heart. And Dr. Frankenstein's like, where's he going? He's like, to the accident hospital. We've got a you know, he, he can get a, get a fresh heart there uh, from one of the accidents. And then what do we see happen?
1: Carl sneaks up on this woman and murders her. <laughs> was he, like, a... pulls, like, this, like, cloth out and, like, flicks it like he's, like, going to lay down a picnic blanket.
0: <laughs> and then he wraps it around her head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he comes back. With a heart, with a heart, and
1: uh... Frankenstein's like, "Where did you get the heart, man?" <laughs>
0: he's like, oh, "The accident hospital."
1: <laughs> no, first, no. He looks. He looks at Doctor Petroleum. Yeah, and, Carl does, and, and and Doctor whatever his name is goes, police, and he says, "The police." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Frankenstein's like,
1: what, what? Police? "What police? What gendarme?"
0: <laughs> and he's like, "Uh." And then
1: the doctor comes over and is like, "There was an accident." And the police gave us her heart.
0: And then he's quickly like, you better get back to work. <laughs> and so, you know, Frankenstein's kind of aware that there's more going on than meets the eye. Plus, this first creation of his keeps bursting in and telling him to get back to work.
1: And he's, he's fallen asleep.
0: Yeah. And he's like, I can't work in these conditions. You got to get rid of this monster. And uh, so he drugs him. Pretorius is like, you like wine, don't you? And he puts drugs in the wine and the monster falls asleep.
1: Not only does he put drugs in the wine, he picks up the drugs, holds the wine glass in front of the monster, and pours them in and then hands them to the monster. Yeah,
0: the monster probably doesn't understand what's going on. He hasn't been introduced to the world of being slipped a mickey. <laughs> and he falls asleep. Um,
1: but he has been introduced to the world of being knocked out by drugs. Yeah, that's
0: true. <laughs> <laughs> but he loves that wine. That's true. He gets him addicted to wine and an oh alcoholic
1: boy, monster who murders people. Great. He's
0: been shot. He's been beaten. He's been he's fallen. He's we're starting to get a sense that this monster may be a little indestructible. Like, he's pretty strong. He can knock down doors.
1: I'm sure that if you like cut him apart, like take his like so bits off. Yeah.
0: But as as of now, he's pretty hardy. Um. So then we get the uh so, so they're basically saying we have your wife, we have Elizabeth chained up, build her, th- build this woman, or we'll kill your wife. We see, and, and to, to the monster, he's like, I'm gonna build you a woman, and then you'll be happy. And Pretorius, I'm sure, is basically like, and then you'll work for me from now on. We see a lot of women used as bargaining chips mm-hmm. in this movie. Like that's kind of what they're there for. Um, except for Minnie. Except for Minnie, she is, she has her own autonomy um and she is the best character uh but we get to see now we get to see another uh creation scene
1: mm-hmm. which um, is really long and drawn out
0: it does take a while uh but it is also cooler looking uh than in the first movie in the first movie you see a lot of like zapping and a lot of like uh tel- tesla coils and mm-hmm. a lot of like electricity this one you see like uh the cosmic diffuser which comes down and the the what the 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 female's body is like held like there's like these like clamps over it and then this thing comes down and then she gets lifted up There's
1: these metal like headphone like things around her head yeah so that they don't have to put the bolts in her neck yes
0: and uh kites they have to fly kites i mean
1: benjamin franklin would be proud right
0: this you assume it's to uh the kites get hit by the lightning at one point you assume that's to conduct the electricity into the machine the monster goes up onto the to the top of the tower where carl and ludwig are hanging out Mm -hmm. working their parts of the machine and the monster is Ludwig or Carl pulls a Fritz and he gets the torch out to make the monster go back and the monster throws him off the, the tower.
1: I mean, the monster's not supposed to be up there in the first place.
0: Yeah, he's just kind of wandering around and I'm like, dude, just get him away. He's he's eager to have a woman.
1: And he doesn't.
0: And well, OK, so he throws Carl off the top, but he the, the experiment goes off without a hitch. The body comes back down. The, the fingers she's she's wrapped more like a mummy. Um, and
1: she's definitely more human.
0: Yeah, she looks more like a person. They they first they unwrap her eyes and so you see her eyes.
1: They're very pretty eyes.
0: Then they unwrap the 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 bride herself. And she's got scars under her chin mm-hmm. uh which I'm going to assume we know that she wasn't put together from body parts. Yeah. So did he grow the skin separate and then stitch it on?
1: Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he grew the face separate like
0: Yeah. Because he was very specific about her being pretty in life, wanting her to be pretty in life so that, I guess, so that when he puts the skin on the skeleton, it's still a pretty face. Mm-hmm. Also, muscles and stuff. They don't talk much about the fact that he I'm needs sure he like, grew them. muscles and, I guess, stole the organs. But uh, No,
1: maybe he grew them. The organs? Mm-hmm.
0: He couldn't grow the heart. I think he's maybe good he growing. could
1: grow the heart. He just wanted...
0: I want to see the scene where he's growing the intestines. <laughs> it's like, there's so many. <laughs> How many intestines do I need? Uh, just like winding them all around, just like stretch these out into end, it can cover the room. Um, you couldn't see me, but I was feeling it in my arms like he's playing with intestines. Uh, probably wouldn't have passed the censorship. I had to board. make the bowels. The bowels. I was gonna make bowel noises, <laughs> but then I decided not to because it's uncalled for. But I was gonna do him like squeezing the bowels and they make a little like fart sounds. <laughs> but that would have been inappropriate for a family podcast. Would it? It's him like squeezing the <laughs> the vowels. The vowel <laughs> ends. Put him in the woman, he says. And Carl's like, <laughs>
1: I don't know what, I don't know how an- anatomy works.
0: <laughs> Just throw them, throw them all in. She gets, un- oh, she doesn't get completely unwound, obviously, because she's probably naked under all these wraps. Mm-hmm. There's a discretion cutaway. Next thing we see, she's in a gown. She's got hair. Describe this beautiful bride.
1: She's beautiful and her hair is amazing. Her hair is like very floofy mm-hmm. and it's like up and her dress is very white. I think she still has bandages around her arms though.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And her dress is like white and like flowy and she's very pretty.
0: And she moves in this bird-like fashion. Yeah. Like she's not fluid, very sharp movements. Like she moves her head like a bird looking around. Mm-hmm. Um. And is on screen all of four minutes and in that four minutes steals the movie away from everybody Mm -hmm. she gets no lines just sounds and screams but elsa lancaster creates in that brief period of time i'm gonna just gush over her fabulousness the one of the most iconic film creatures creations in the history of film The Bride of Frankenstein.
1: Actually, she's not the Bride of Frankenstein. She's the monster's mate. Yeah.
0: So let's get to the end, and then we'll talk about the meaning of this title. So what
1: happens? She does not like Frank the monster. Mm -hmm. She is very scared of him, Mm -hmm. which is understandable.
0: He tries to be gentle towards her. He calls her friend and takes her hand.
1: But she doesn't understand friend No, of course not.
0: She doesn't understand words. (laughs) She just sees this, like her first exposure to humans are dr frankenstein and pretorius which i guess that's perfection in her eyes a man who looks like he's made out of mashed potatoes and a man who looks like i think that dr pretorius looks like he's made out of mashed potatoes oh i thought
1: you were talking about frankenstein and i was like
0: (laughs) he looks like
1: i think pretorius looks like a mouse
0: yeah he's very rodent like he has this pointy nose and it's like these well yeah he's like rodent like like a weasel uh, has
1: the attitude of a weasel as well
0: yeah very sharp features and uh, huh. and uh, dr frankenstein looks like a man in the in the in the grips of alcoholism and delirium tremens like he's sweaty and he's just like Ugh. but this is what she sees i assume that she's like okay these are perfect men these are perfect creatures then the monster comes in and she is horrified by him also we should point out that the bride of frankenstein is about six feet tall
1: mm-hmm.
0: she's very tall
1: she's very pretty
0: uh-huh statuesque And the monster tries to, like, he holds her hand. It's like, friend, friend.
1: Not having it. She's not
0: having it. The entire scene, I wanted to just to bring this up. From her presentation as a bride up to the monster coming in and then her, like, running away. All the blocking in this scene is like a dance. Like, she falls and they grab her and they swoop her around and... It's very balletic and mm-hmm. choreographed the way everything at the very end of this movie is done. It's an amazing scene as short as it is. But uh what happens? Who makes the final call here? Oh yeah, Elizabeth somehow escapes from the dungeon.
1: We see her tied up and I'm like, that is an intricate tying system. Yeah. But like, then
0: but then no one's guarding her. Like Carl and Ludwig are here. Well,
1: Carl was there when the they called her
0: right on the phone but then he gets killed we see him get thrown off yeah the, the... how
1: he traveled i don't know
0: um but she escapes she comes to the door of the lab
1: and, she, and frankenstein's like no you gotta go you gotta leave i don't want you to die yeah and then the monster's like no you live go and Frankens and he lets frankenstein go yeah
0: he's a you you go and then he says we belong dead and how does he kill everyone?
1: He pulls the self-destruct lever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the building gets the self-destruct lever. We never knew. He's leaning on this giant lever. And Dr. Huh. Frankenstein's like, no, don't pull that. No, that's
1: patro- oh. petroleum.
0: Petrolius says.
1: Petrolius. Says,
0: says, says Pet- Petronius. Petronius. Polonius. Autobots rage
1: the battle to destroy. <laughs> 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 Sounds like a Transformer name. Petrolius. <laughs>
0: Petrolius. I am Petrolius. He's the doctor, the evil Decepticon who creates other Decepticons. Mm-hmm. Little ones, though. Headmasters. Um, He, uh, a little Transformer talk. Um, He's like, no, don't pull that switch. It'll blow everything up for one reason. It'll overcharge, overload the.
1: It'll blow us all to atoms.
0: Yes, yes. It doesn't blow them all to atoms. No. But what happens?
1: It blows the building up.
0: Yeah. It just comes a crumbling down.
1: But like, I feel like this is the, the like final human moment of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Like him letting Dr. Frankenstein go. Yeah. And like seemingly forgiving him for all he's done.
0: Yeah. Why does Frankenstein get forgiven? I don't know. Like why? He's done horrible things.
1: But I think Frank, the monster, realizes that he, that Frankenstein has realized the horrible things he's done. Yeah. And Frankenstein knows that he did horrible things. And I think that maybe the monster forgave him for Elizabeth's sake.
0: Yeah, or something. Yeah. It's hard to say. Um, All we know is that the monster believes that he should be dead, that Pretoria should be dead, presumably... Ludwig <laughs> somewhere in the hassle um and the bride or the 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 uh they don't call her the bride at the end they call her uh, mate the monster's mate the woman should be dead. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get any say in this?
1: Well, I don't really think she understands what's going on.
0: She doesn't. I um when I saw this movie as a kid the first time, I felt so bad for her. Like I was so upset at the end of this movie that the bride of Frankenstein dies or the The mate the the mate of the monster's mate dies at the end it gets crushed in this castle when she doesn't even understand what's happening she's just afraid she's panicking and then the switch gets pulled and she gets crushed Just felt very bad for her i was also surprised that she's not in the movie much so you said before oh yeah and then that's it like Mm -hmm. the castle comes down dr frankenstein says something to elizabeth like they're he's like come on let's go and that's the end in the movie. You had said before we watched that uh, you thought that she was, well, you thought she was going to be in more of the movie. mm
1: mm-hmm. But after the movie, I was like, wait, the title doesn't say, because the monster's not called Frankenstein. Right. Frankenstein is Frankenstein. Right. And Frankenstein does have a bride. Right. His wife. Yeah. So who really is the main focus of this movie?
0: <laughs> right. Who's the bride of Frankenstein? Is it Elizabeth? Uh. Is it the monster's mate? Is it Pretorius? Because the real couple relationship in here is between Dr. Frankenstein and Dr. Pretorius.
1: I don't. Or think... is it the king and queen? Or is it the king and queen?
0: <laughs> uh, and obviously, I don't think that, that they're like, Dr. Frankenstein's real wife is this man, Dr. Pretorius, like in the literal sense of the term. And I don't think that he was like, we'll call the bride of Frankenstein because he's pretty much married to a guy but this is about a relationship between two men creating life together Mm -hmm. it is about how women are kind of unnecessary in this equation because men can create their own life and become fathers and i'm not saying that this movie is about two men in a relationship but it's kind of about two men in a relationship
1: See, the funny thing about that is women have figured out how to procreate without men. Men Men have not.
0: (laughs) Right. It's about two guys trying to figure out how to create life. How to
1: become useful.
0: When you create, when you said throughout the movie.
1: We have the equation already. (laughs) There's
0: no secret. (laughs) We know. They keep saying he's like, Dr. Pretorius is like, imagine a world where we've created life and that life creates life. It's called the world. (laughs) You keep wanting to create people who can create people. And I'm like, we've done that.
1: We are that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's it's like, what's your end game here? I guess they want to create like tall people who are very strong. Super people. A we don't know anything about
1: about uh, the, the monsters made. I don't want to call her that. What should I call her that? I'll call her Cindy. We don't know anything yes. about Cindy. <laughs> Could they
0: even procreate?
1: Probably not considering Frankenste- Frankenstein's monster is a walking corpse.
0: Right. And if they could, what would that be? We know what it would happen, though, if they didn't, if they made it. They would make a wolfman. Because I've seen the monsters, and that seems to be what happens.
1: They make a wolfman. They make a vampire.
0: Well, I guess in the monsters, the Frankenstein monster marries a vampire, and they make a wolfman. So I guess that's, that's off the table. Someone
1: was having an affair with one of those French dogs. Woof.
0: So you had also said in the in the in our intro that you had heard and that this movie has a reputation for being a subtly gay narrative. Mm-hmm. Did you notice personally that?
1: It's hard to say. I mean, again, with the Frankenstein not seeming to care about being married mm-hmm. and stuff. I mean, I had this feeling, but I didn't really I I was too focused on being frustrated at the monster at
0: the monster uh uh a lot of it's pointed a lot of people point out that it's very like camp quality mm-hmm. like a lot of arching eyebrows and the the pret- pretorius talks like this and he's very like uh he's very suggestive toward colin clive's character you sort of have this sense of like Colin Clive, his reactions to Pretorius, especially in the beginning, are like, "Oh no, I, I could never, I, I could never do that kind of thing." And Pretorius being like, "Oh, couldn't you come with me?" There's very much the the sense of like the older the older man seducing the younger man, and the younger man protesting too much at the touch of the older man, and uh, come away from your wife, and we will create a, a family together. Like, how about no? Uh, of course, it's presented as very. Uh, when someone is a predatory—that's mm-hmm. the word—sort uh, of the predatory older man and the and the no, I could never younger man. Of course, Colin Clive's not that young in this movie, but uh,
1: Doctor Frankenstein is bisexual, and you can't convince me otherwise.
0: I didn't want to convince you otherwise. <laughs> it is not uh, an accident any of that mm-hmm. in this movie. Uh, James Whale knew what he was doing. Um, this is, of course, at a time when when gay on film a was never said or well, if it was it was like a tragedy like a horrific tragedy and b gay on film also meant camp it meant lisping it meant the, the there's a, a an archetype called the sissy Um, which is which doesn't mean like what 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 the word came to mean it was like an actual archetype like the sissy uh, let a limp wristed and mincing around Mm -hmm. and like oh honey like that stereotype yeah like in you would cast there were certain actors who would get cast as the sissy and he would be there for laughs or to get beaten up um uh if you want a wonderful film to watch on this uh, the celluloid closet is a great documentary about the history of of, uh, of the portrayal of of gay men and women on screen, and that was uh, just
1: kind of casually tossed around. What? There's I watched a lot of TV shows where it's just kind of casual, like there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is back when it wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, but the celluloid closet is a big is is a great do- for anyone listeners who haven't seen it, it. Came out I think when I was I think in the late '90s is when it came out, um, based on a, a a book about it um has a lot of great clips so sort of and it does have the history of like the the hidden code that gay filmmakers would put into movies for viewers who were gay and were just desperately looking for representation on screen and so they would get it wherever they could get it and so gay filmmakers and screenwriters would drop these like little hints of like not to say like you're being well represented on screen but more of a way of saying we know you're out there and we know you're watching and we know and we're here too. And we're desperately trying to reach through this screen and say, you get it. You get the joke. You get the you get the code. Uh, we're winking at you this whole time. And that's kind of what The Bride of Frankenstein is. It's
1: You know what we haven't talked about yet? What? The bat.
0: We will get to the bat because he's the best part. He's my favorite character in the movie. Uh, I just want to say that, that uh, if you don't notice it in the film, it's probably because the code wasn't written for you um but if you did notice it you're probably like well duh it's it's throughout james whale this whole movie is very grandiose and theatrical it's cartoony Minnie the the maid is oh my lord like she's like ooh, and like looking at the camera like i've never seen anything like it and then she like runs off with her arms akimbo like help like it's but it also has a very strong emotional core like that scene with the blind man is heartbreaking Like that's that's I guess when I say like it's 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 not just camp it's 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 a heartbreaking film it's everyone's playing it to the to the to the back seats like they're just they're they're playing to the cheap seats but they're doing it like true like Karloff is playing this monster as a real character Mm -hmm. he is desperately trying to to convey the the sadness and the anger and the pain of this monster. It's a it's an emotionally true film, as as arch and camp as it is. And I think that is also a testament to James Whale's direction as a as a as a filmmaker who's like, I'm creating I'm creating a masterpiece and I'm creating art. And you will not tell me to create something cheap. I'm not creating something cheap, baby. I'm making opera. I'm making you will feel my pain and you will feel my anger and you will feel my love like all through this film i think it's a it's a fabulous film like it's just fabulous to watch like this i just love it i love watching these characters just play it to the hilt um talk about the best character in the movie though the bat
1: the bat the best bat what is the best bat a fake bat <laughs> What does the best bat do? It just kind of flops around.
0: <laughs> it's, when, it's when Frankenstein's monster kidnaps Elizabeth and brings her to this cave. And for whatever reason, Whale was like, we got to have a bat in this scene. And it's got to start on the ground for whatever reason and fly up into the sky. And it's going to be rubber and it's going to be on a string and it's going to just flop. It's not even going to flap its wings. It's just gonna be a person with a string going blah, 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 <laughs> up out the game. It's gonna be distracting, and you won't be able to think about anything after you see it, other than this rubber bat.
1: It's the best thing. It's
0: the best thing in the movie. It's it, it, and it's not even in the background. It is in the foreground of the shot. This giant rubber bat.
1: I like to think that that was a little joke put in by.
0: I have to believe that was a little joke put in by James Whale. He was just like, you want to creep, you. You want me to, you wanted to call back to the Gothic fine. We'll put a rubber bat in this damn movie. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's uh, the
1: best character.
0: What did you think of the Bride of Frankenstein? I liked it. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. Like you're not just saying that?
1: No, I'm not. I I'm very tired. Uh-huh. Which makes it very difficult for me to portray my emotions <laughs> in a proper way, but I did enjoy it.
0: It's a it's a it's a it's a riot. It's a and not a it's laugh a riot. It's a hoot, but it's not a it's not a movie to sit there making fun of. No, like it, it, it gets the job done. It's a, it's a worthy successor. Right? People say it's a better movie than Frankenstein, and I have to agree. I mm-hmm. think it gets, it gets its point across. Uh, it's based. It's uh, the the blind man who befriends the monster is taken right from the novel. Um, the situation's a little different, but that does happen in the book.
1: It not only does the blind man like take him and teach him a few things, he empathizes. Yeah, yeah. He, he says we are the same you cannot speak and i cannot see
0: yeah so that's taken from the book uh the concept of building a wife for building a bride for the creature taken right from the book there's a whole slew of universal frankenstein movies though we have uh frankenstein bride of frankenstein the ghost of frankenstein uh frankenstein meets the wolfman house of frankenstein house of dracula in which the monster is in it and then abbott and costello meet frankenstein and if you want to get your hands on these movies obviously they are you can find them all over the place uh they're not difficult to find but if you want to get amazing copies on dvd or blu-ray uh you can buy frankenstein the complete legacy collection which is where I got these movies. Uh, they have it, it's, a, it's a DVD or Blu-ray set that includes just every single Universal Frankenstein movie. They have an abundance of special features, including commentaries on the first two movies and on the Abbott and Costello movie from film historians. So you can just learn a lot about the creation of these. That's where I got a lot of this information. Um, there's documentary footage. There's behind-the-scenes footage, trailers. Uh, the other movies don't have as much, but then they're just they're not as great uh I'll say that the next the, the third movie in the uh in the series um introduces a lot of concepts that we think of with the monster um also Bella Lugosi shows up as Igor, which is unexpected um so there's you know there's a lot of uh there's a lot of uh, of other good Frankenstein stuff out there. It's just this isn't you know this is the the last james whale one uh Karloff only plays the monster one more time. he hated the fact that they made Frankenstein's monster talk. He did not want to be uh he did not want to be in the suit anymore after this. He made one more but he was like they ruined it. He's like they took this character away from me and they made him something he wasn't supposed to be. Um and uh so yeah.
1: Sounds like a real diva.
0: Well, he always talked about the the monster itself as his friend, as his personal friend. Like he was he he just he held it very very close to his heart I,
1: I was joking I know, I know
0: and uh and uh and it, I think it just sort of broke his heart the way they went with mm-hmm. the monster and he' just sort of becoming this like sort of a cartoon character he always tried to bring something extra to the role
1: he did a really good job in the role he Frank did a Stein. really
0: good job in the role unfortunately in the next movie in his final performance they they pull him back and they they chopped his performance to hell for the for the movie and you lost a lot of what he brought to it but uh still the third movie is is worthy it's it's a worthy successor. Um to this one, it's just not as as good. So that's it for the Bride of Frankenstein. Please go out and take a look at it. It it gets the it gets the big thumbs up. One day we will come across a movie that gets a big thumbs down from us. This oh I don't know, Del Toro has really good taste in movies. Maybe we won't, maybe we'll just forever be be enamored of uh of his films. But our next movie, uh another spook gum up, uh, starring Boris Karloff as well as Bela Lugosi, uh, it is Edgar Allan Poe's, sort of, uh, The Raven, directed by Lou Landers. I didn't even
1: know there was a movie.
0: Oh, there's movies about everything. And, uh, not
1: The Mountains of Madness.
0: What does it have to do with The Raven? We will find out. Does it just involve a talking bird? Knock, knock, knocking at your chamber door? Probably not. Uh, but it is a classic, and it is a favorite of Del Toro, so we'll be back. Uh, when... It's time to do it uh, once. <laughs> again. I'm Phil and I'm Ollie and we'll see you next
1: time. When it's Del
0: Toro time. I'm Phil
1: and I'm Ollie and
0: we'll see you when
1: it's Del Toro, Del Toro time. time. Friend Ghoul.